0: Namaste everyone and welcome to the Jai Bhakti Yoga podcast where we share information on all things yoga, Ayurveda, and well-being lifestyle. I am excited to share these resources, insights, interviews, and so much more as we grow together on this wonderful journey of well-being. I am your host Christina Andrini founder of Jai Bhakti Yoga Foundation and JBYU School of Yoga and Ayurveda. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to our blog on Tumblr as well as to follow us on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and all the fun social media channels where we share some of the tips and insights and resources from our podcast and vice versa on here. Now let's go ahead and begin with today's episode. Hello everyone and welcome back. Today we are going to be talking about the relationship between consciousness and Ayurveda. And it's what's important about this particular conversation today is we're going to circle all the way back to the beginning of when we started discovering the Ayurvedic uh, mindset and perspective of how we take care of ourselves individually. And as we're progressing and evolving, how is this impacting our body from the consciousness based approach to health? and understanding that with and through the Ayurvedic lens. I'd like to begin with some uh, comment that I wrote a little bit before. In regards to the relationship between consciousness and health through Ayurveda, as I am also growing through my evolutionary process of yoga and Ayurveda, I found this to be quite insightful and want to share this information and knowledge with all of you. So as you are joining in today, thank you so much for giving a listen, uh, watching the replay or listening to the replay, uh, popping here, uh in and out as we have a busy schedule i appreciate you for taking the time to listen and to acknowledge your health and well-being and so the relationship between consciousness and ayurveda which we are going to call this the um consciousness-based approach to ayurveda health and well-being is what we want to begin with what is inner intelligence what is this catchphrase that we speak about often in the world of Ayurveda and why is it important? So before we dive into what are doshas, we will talk about this. And the inner intelligence as Sultan Salah says, um, according to his approach and how he explains it, is that the inner intelligence of the body that governs all biological and most physiological and psychological processes They are how Ayurveda defines and understands the incredibly sophisticated inner intelligence of the mind and body system. The Ayurvedic perspective on this inner intelligence serves as a basis for the study of Ayurveda. Pragya Aparad. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome back to you and to me as well. It's really wonderful to be here. Thank you so much, Jake. Um, Pragya Aparad. What which we have learned over some time now is known as the mistake of the intellect. I used to say ignorance of the intellect, but really it's more a mistake, it's just a confusion. And when one unknowingly disrupts the laws of nature, such as improper sleep, these are very simple things that we do every single day, y'all, that affect the inner intelligence or the circadian rhythm, the inner clockwork, of our physiology and psychology and these are the improper sleep which guilty is charged as well food how we nourish ourselves what are we eating and or digestion because this will all impact how we are processing our metabolic processing which we'll talk about in a second as well as letting oneself make the mistake of being stuck in a cycle of regressive intellect. So we're repeating the same stories, we're attached to the past, we are unable to move forward per se. And so when we are no longer identifying with its own source, that of the outer experience is when we are finding ourselves in that mistake of the intellect, which we call Pragya Aparad. Thank you so much, welcome back, yes. So the constant cycle, and this is what we call the samskaras, they attribute to the root of all of these disorders. And for those of you just joining and coming in, we are circling back to the basics. We are talking about how consciousness-based approach to Ayurveda will help us to sustain healthier lifestyles. And it all begins with how and what we are consuming and as well as understanding our doshas. And so we're going to circle back and just briefly explain the doshas in just a moment. Right now, we're talking about how the constant cycle of samskaras or patterns, behavioral traits are going to keep us from moving forward. And this is what we call in Ayurveda, the Pragya Aparad, which you've heard me say numerous times is the mistake of the intellect the entire physiology is going to be affected and is expressed by what we consume within and throughout our environment. The food one takes in, relationships, professions, education, these all contribute to the effect of the chemical, which is the metabolic processy that is being composed throughout the body when we are nourishing ourselves. It is emotional, is how we are affected in the heart chakra, as well as in the Ajña and the third eye chakra and in intuition, and as well as in Apana or Muladhara, uh, which is the root chakra, which is how we eliminate, which is governed by the Vata, the Pitta, and the Kapha uh, portions of our doshas. They also represent certain parts of our body. And so we also want to consider the physical and the mental expressions that impact the conscious development of our individual or of an individual. So we wanna keep these little traits in mind as we're beginning to understand and learn, consume, and digest the information that we're receiving today. The cause of all dis-ease, and I tend to hyphen this word when you actually go back and read the blog, that. share with everybody with all kinds of resources to dive in and dive deeper into what we're talking about on the podcast and the broadcast is that the cause of all dis-ease so the disturbance within the ease and comfort or steadiness and comfort sirka and shutka is what gives rise to the disease which turns into the combination of dis and ease forming into a more chronic or what we call the beda stage of pathogenesis which is the sixth stage of pathogenesis as we go through accumulation dissemination and begins to spread ultimately going into a space where we need we are unable to reverse it if we're at a space where it's more localized, we are able to treat it, possibly have some reversal. But when we get to the stages of yakti, which is a more progressed stage, and it's already disseminated and accumulated, we have not been able to remove the ama, then we are in a place where we can only treat you for comfort. And when you're at about the stage six star, um, part of pathogenesis, what we call um, shrad kriyakal, then you will be in a space where we either probably have to have surgery done, and this is where the blend of Western and Eastern medicine come together in union to support someone that is already at these stages of pathogenesis. So this is why it's really important that the cause of all disease gives rise to the disease if we are not addressing it and getting to the root, which is what Ayurveda focuses on is getting to the root removing anything that is causing the disturbance and being able to then continue on your merry little path of progression. So as to remove the weeds of the garden so the garden can grow and flourish naturally. So when one is caught up in identifying with the superficial surface level or the small self, the ego self, then the shadow self or loses connection to the innate pure being within, it's like the, um buddhist proverb where the student goes to buddha and asks how many moons is he seeing and on the reflection of the lake and the student says i see a thousand moons or ten thousand moons and buddha says but there's only one moon so really coming into uh, understanding that how we see things is very differently than what is actually being projected. So keep that in mind as you're going through the cycles and the samskaras. As Raja Shudri says, your breath, your senses, your eyes, everything can become a portal to awakening and an expression of the divine current in you. So now we get into the meat and potatoes. Hello, 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 and welcome back everyone. Again, we're talking about the relationship between consciousness of health and Ayurveda, and we're going back to the basics. So right now we are focusing on the doshas, our cosmic evolution of who we are and why we resonate with certain elements and traits. So now we're gonna dive into this a little bit more. We also discovered through our conversation that in order for us to maintain sattvic health or balanced health and well being or samana, agni, which is a balanced digestion, then we have to make sure that what we're consuming from the external to the internal, our environment, and everything around us all contribute back. To that very essence or the aharas, the essence of those datus of what we are sharing and how we ultimately will portray ourselves as we evolve. Welcome, my love. Welcome, amor. So happy to see you. So let's begin with the three little doshas and they are Vata, Pitta and Kapha. We are very used to hearing these words if you are in the Ayurvedic world and listening in or learning about them. And a dosha represents the intelligence of the mind and body. So we talk about the inner intelligence. This is a little bit more in depth of an elaboration of the inner intelligence as I'm educating you and you educate me. There are three doshas, which all represent a different type of intelligence, the governing principle in the body. And we will begin with what are these three? Let's start with vata, okay? Vata is a, a trait that I am very, 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 very personally associated with, <laughs> and, um, and probably many of you as well vata tends to be um, the elements of vata are air and space it's very spacious being they have it governs the movement transportation and communication of one's aharas or essence of being the also the other thing with vata is that they tend to be a little bit cold a little bit rough fingers tend to be cold a lot of times a very drying quality with vata because if you think of air and space, you wanna think about the elements that govern air and space. So drying, cool, um, they tend to be rough, a little bit coarse, uh, no filter on a vata personality. They are, think of air moving constantly. So they are responsible for constantly moving, always gravitating to something. They start one project and then they move to another one and then they move to another one, They really it's really hard to get them to complete something in one sitting. Uh, Vatas tend to look at shiny things really quickly. They take in a lot of information, but then they're also very quick to forget it. So they tend to write things down a lot. They're very social, very extroverted, even though some might be more introverted or ambiverted, which is a combination of both intro and extro. And the Vata personality, and or vata constitution in and of itself tends to be mostly aggravated when they're consuming drier foods anything that is spicy is going to aggravate a vata Um, anything that is going through any type of cold weather is going to aggravate vata personalities and vata types they tend to um gravitate from one friend to another friend group they have lots of friend groups they don't have really one group of friends they also are probably someone that would be more of your marketing person they really like to be out in about um, it's hard for them to keep them inside they get cabin fever very quickly and vata personalities um they also tend to have cracking in the joints when they're aggravated they are very bony they tend to have a slender frame they have long fingers dry cuticles or dryness in the skin Uh, they have cracking in the knee joints as well sometimes they have mostly aggravated lower back issues so this is what um, the vata personality, vata trait, vata gunas would be like. And there's much, much more. I have links for everything on the blog where you can go and listen to specific conversations about each of the doshas. Then we talk about the pitta. Pitta governs the metabolic process transformation. It is our fire element, mostly fire and some water. Um, Two of the most dangerous elements, as a matter of fact, are come together as one with pitta. Pitta tends to be a personality trait and a guna or quality that tends to be pretty stable until it's fired up. A Pitta personality is one that is going to be the go-getter. These tend to be teachers. They tend to be leaders in the community. They tend to be those that uh, command quite a bit of authority or an authoritative role in life. They are, Uh, interesting with money. Vatas tend to get money in and spend it as quickly as they get it. And Pitta personality only spends money on what they really need to spend it on. They tend to uh, spend it on more luxurious things because they know it's more of an investment for them. Pitta personalities also have a very strong digestion. They have no aversion to spicy foods. They can pretty much eat anything and be quite okay with it. Vata personalities will forget to eat throughout the day. Um, They tend to not consume as much food. They very much need a structure whereas a pitta personality tends to have quite a bit of structure they think in very linear forms or in spreadsheets they have a pretty strong discipline for themselves they are ambitious they attain their goals and sometimes even supersede their goals they are their own competitor for the most part they have a lot of acquaintances but very few friends they don't trust as much as say a Vata person does or a Kapha person does. They are more reserved in that respect. Uh, Pitta personalities also uh, govern and the Pitta trait in and of itself governs that metabolic process. As we talked about Vata being the king of the doshas is responsible for movement. So without Vata, we can't move any of the processes through Pitta. And so that's why we need a combination of the three doshas as you'll soon see so that we can be able to have and sustain a healthy lifestyle. So when we have vata moving and communicating throughout the body, the information coming into pitta, pitta is then able to process healthily, that's not really a word, but more healthfully, the information that you are receiving um, through your digestion and also from the aluchika, which is a sub-dosha of the eyes, we, what we take in from the environment as well, all plays a role in the metabolic process of pitta. Which ultimately, as it moves throughout the entire body and also the seven datus and tissues, which we have thirteen of, but we're just gonna really quickly, um, just say the, the seven, cause they ultimately will form this like glow, this really beautiful, um, vibrant vitality that shows through your skin and this is known as ojas this is that the end byproduct result of everything that we've consumed and that we talk about deeper in the um, in the ayurveda yoga teacher training so not to not to worry yourself about that but that's what pitta is responsible for and then we have kapha and kapha is our very content they are responsible for stability for structure for lubrication for cohesion pulling everything together. If you are aware of the myofascial system, I really love to utilize that as an as an example, because of how, if it's not lubricated, then it will become very dry and it will then find a lot of aggravation through Vata and Kapha. And we will have to lubricate that or put some oleation, some more oil, because the, Qualities of kapha are oil and liquidy, uh, moving this subtle, slow, think of a swan-like movement through kapha personality, quite content. They learn very quickly. Pittas are very intelligent beings. They take in information and just almost as though it's almost selective, they retain the most pertinent information and the rest of it's kind of like, oh, I remember that. Kaffa receives everything as a whole and retains everything in a very long concept. So they are kind of like an elephant, they don't ever forget. Um, a Kaffa personality also is uh, can be if they are vitiated, they can lose their appetite a little bit, they tend to skip breakfast, they tend to uh, favor sweet type of foods, um, heavier foods, more comforting, wholesome foods. The kaffa personality tends to be content where they are. They don't move around too much. It takes a lot of motivation for a Kafa to get them going, get them started. Um, once you get a Kafa going though, it takes a little bit to get them to take, come back down because they're very excited that they're motivated to get something accomplished. They're very excited when they accomplish something um, even if it takes them a little bit longer, it's not about how fast they get there. It's about ultimately getting there and achieving that goal. Uh, they don't put a time frame on many things. They do like a Vata, they do begin a project and then may be discouraged to complete it from time to time. So it's very nice to motivate these types of personalities as well foods that you will see the kaffa tending to lend to are more potatoes they tend to soups are always something that they gravitate towards uh, oatmeals etc so they tend to gravitate to those warm and wholesome foods Kafas are extremely good with money they don't spend anything they don't want to spend anything they are the ones that will hold down the fort for you and let you know where to invest your money and where not to invest your money. Uh, Kaffas are kind of like the accountant. You would want them to be an accountant because they're so good with organization again, stability and structure. They are that foundation. They tend to have very lustrous skin. They are the, Kapha is the king of the ogis. It is that metabolic process, the vitality. The skin tends to be lustrous, more darker or um, tan in color. Um, They tend to have thick hair, For the most part, it's very lustrous. Eyes are pretty big, very um, calming, soothing eyes, thicker lips, thicker um, appearance, thicker frames, um, very sturdy bone structure. So the Kapha, you think about the stability and the foundation when you think of Kapha. They also are governing the mucus lining. They're governing the malas, which are the waste products that are processing through the body. So the three of these together tend to work very, very, very harmoniously with the entire intelligence of our body. So that's why if you think about vata, when it's vitiated, when it's not eating properly or the food is not being consumed well, vatas tend to get aggravated very, very quickly. And so they will tend to be the ones to push food away They won't eat when they're upset which is actually a good thing you never want to put that energy in your body and consume that um but they're the first ones to do that and then pitta pitta won't miss a meal it don't matter how upset they are Pitta personalities they will get hangry if you do not feed them and the kapha personality tends to skip a meal in the morning but will eat a larger meal in the afternoon and Sometimes they eat a larger meal at night or it tends to be more of a sweetie as opposed to a real dinner. And so when this, the three different types of agnies or the digestive fire that is aggravated is going to be Vishama for the Vata. Jake, you are definitely a pitta then if you are getting hangry, if you miss a meal. Um, (laughs) And then we have pitta, which has the tikshna agni, um, which is funny because that means you might get ticked off. So if you think about it like that, ticked off tikshna for not eating, that will be um, pittas. And then kapha is going to be manda agni. So manda, very, muted, dull. If you're putting um, mud on top of fire kind of thing, it's dulling out the flame. So those are the three aggravations and the information as to why it's so important to understand these three. The three doshas also have different qualities and attributes that we talked about. Um, Kapha's attributes being um, heavy, dull, dense, sticky, oily, unctuous. Pitta is hot and sharp. It is um, heat-producing element. So think of um, hot, sharp, um, strong, stable, and uh, and also moving. And then you want to also think of of. Um, more pungent, almost with pitta liquidy like lava, think of that. Um, I would also say for kapha, I think of sweet as well. They're very sweet, um, very sensitive. Uh, They also are cold, wet as opposed to Vata being a dry cold. So that is something to also keep in mind. And I have an entire um, podcast specifically dedicated only to the gunas of the doshas. So you can give that a listen as well. And lastly, I wanna go over is just that the three doshas are the governors of the way our body moves, the way our body communicates, digests, processes, holds itself together and transforms and evolves. It's part of how we move through the process of our unique development It's how we take everything in from the external to the internal, how we are processing our experiences in life and how we are consciously maintaining our physiology. Our bodies are the manifestation of what it takes in from the external or the surface level to the depth of our essence of being or to the depth of the seed of who we are in relation to what the abstract form is to the more tangible form. We call this being, or with a capital B. The three doshas we know to be are vata, pitta, and kapha. Vata is associated with the wind element. It is also associated with space. So think of air and space. Pitta is with fire and water, and kapha is associated with water and earth. Again, these, five elements are known in the Ayurvedic world as the pancha mahabhutas. Pancha is the word for five in Sanskrit. Maha is the word great, and bhutas is the word for elements. So these are the five great elements. Pancha mahabhutas in Sanskrit. They are responsible as Vata is responsible for movement, transportation, and communication. Pitta is responsible for our metabolic processes and digestion of food and nutrients throughout the entire physiology, which are to include the veins and the DNA. So this is um, the Agnis, the different Agnis. There's even digestion for each tissue in the body as it Continues through its own process. And also, we have kapha, which governs lubrication, cohesion, is responsible for structure, stability, and um, that lubrication keeping the body moist, unctuous, and moving. So we're not cracking in the joints, and that the body, the muscles aren't becoming tense, that they have that expression to move around. And my pillow's away. Okay. And and then lastly, if there is any vitiation to what we're experiencing in the body, then we know that at that point, we need to stop and examine how far along are we on the stage of pathogenesis This is called shot kriya call, how far along are we here? And am I able to reverse? Or am I able to eliminate altogether? where I'm at so that I don't need to have any type of surgery or anything going on or any type of treatment because treatment at that point is just to make you comfortable. The intention and the goal behind Ayurveda is to transform one's physiology altogether to live an equitable and optimal lifestyle without having to take any medications, only natural resources to enliven the inner intelligence of your body through diet, routine through your daily routine. So when you wake up in the morning, your daily routine at work, your lifestyle changes, that's it. Everything else that we start to add in such as certain types of herbs that you might need to help eliminate something or break something down, we start to go into what is known as Ama which is the buildup of toxins from accumulation of whether you're taking things in from visual aspects or internally with food, your diet routine with your food, the types of foods that you're eating. We really wanna focus in Ayurveda first and foremost with changing the diet because that in and of itself can eliminate acid reflux. It can reverse any types of osteoporosis because we're not putting oleation of foods inside of our body. There's so much that we can do with just diet alone. And then we then take this into what herbs to take, whether you're utilizing from Moppy um, stress-free emotions instead of taking Prozac. You can take stress-free emotions as an oil. You put it in your head at night and you go to sleep. You can meditate with it. It's an incredible transformation. And Abhyanga, which is the self-body massage with oil. The type of oil that you use is going to make a big difference. Putting oil and massaging your feet before you go to bed makes a huge difference for you. Depending on the oil based on your dosha is going to also play a significant role. So for example, if you're a Pitta personality, then utilizing coconut oil or ghee on your feet at night, massaging each foot for five minutes, placing socks on and going to sleep is going to be transformative all the way up to the heart chakra and to the mind. So when you wake up, you feel more ease and grounded. And that's just one simple exercise you can do every single day starting today, especially if you're feeling aggravation in your belly region, and you're feeling some sort of heart issues going on, mental emotions, do the ghee with on your feet every single night as a ritucharya, which we've talked about in the past, Um, the evening routines, completely by all means, phenomenal process to do for yourself. Um, And also doing yoga Nidra is really helpful at night, not having to take any pills to go to sleep. You can also do a decoction, which is, um, if you are not vegan, then you will take uh, uh, the A2 milk and you will make it hot hot milk at night with two strands of saffron, pinch of cardamom, pinch of black salt, and um, a pinch of turmeric for any anti-inflammation. Cardamom, if I didn't say that already, I'll just make sure that I say it because it's super good, cardamom. Uh, A little bit of nutmeg if you'd like, and um, a little bit of cinnamon, pinch, pinch, pinch. You pop that in your hot milk, remember two strands of saffron, drink that straight up. And before you know it, you'll be in your 10th dream and your whole body will thank you because all of the vitamins that you're putting into your body at night are going to then be, especially if you're getting to bed on time, which is another super quick hack of uh, really great health is getting to bed by 10, 10.30 PM latest and avoiding any technology before you go to sleep at night. Uh, for about an hour before you go to bed. And though that will help you as well to then go through the Pitta time of night for the metabolic processes to take place. So you can wake up restored and healthy and renewed. So those are my quick tips for you all and you're welcome to get a whole sleuth of all of them um, at the free resource library that we offer on our website jbyfnola.org. You can just click on there and get all of these free resources for you at your fingertips. So much love to everyone. I am so happy to be back with you all and I will see you again next week. Namaste. Much love. Bye. Thank you all so much for participating in today's wonderful podcast. As always, it's such a joy and an honor to share in the space with all of you and hold the space together as a collective. I invite you to support my life's work on Teachable. For those of you that would like continuing education units, Teachable will be the go to for your membership. I'm looking forward to growing together and meeting you all. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram and introduce yourself. I would love to follow you back and subscribe to our YouTube channel for free classes that are posted weekly. Looking forward to our next chat together and I'll see you online, in person, in an immersion, or on this podcast. See you soon. From my heart to yours, much love and namaste.